from the Orange County Fire Authority. This is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. Welcome, everyone, to the April 2023 podcast. This is TJ McGovern, Deputy Chief of the Emergency Operations Bureau. And today I have both Assistant Chiefs of Field Operations, Shane Sherwood and Tim Perkins with me. We did take a small break from the last podcast with Chief Dossie as uh, Chiefs Perkins, Sherwood and myself got in our new positions. So during that time, we did get a lot of inquiries from the field as to when these podcasts were going to come back. So they definitely were a priority. We wanted to get these out. And these podcasts are just another great tool to get the communications out to the organization. Currently, we already have the Fire Chiefs Monthly Bulletin that Chief Fennessy speaks to the organization on. We have the Chiefs Visitations that are the first part of each month. And then the emails and the memos that we send out just to communicate the best as we can to the organization of current trends, issues, or any needs that uh, we see fit. And like I said, you can uh, expect these podcasts to come back on a monthly basis. Before I hand it off to Chiefs Perkins and Sherwood, I would like to address a few items. And I'm going to start with staffing. So recently in the last month or or about two months now, we promoted 22 engineers. So that was definitely a good uh, opportunity to get some of those engineers back in the field in those open spots. And more recently, we've just completed a captain's promotional academy and we have 12 successful captain candidates. And starting on April 21st, we're going to be promoting the first four captains. So they'll be out in the field shortly, probably on the 21st or the 22nd, and start helping with those open spots that we have in the captain rank. So we do still have eight remaining captains on the eligibility list, and there are enough openings right now to promote all of them. But with myself and the two assistant chiefs, we really looked at staffing and we've noticed there's uh, one rank in particular that's been having a lot of forcing, and that is a fire apparatus engineer rank. So if we were to promote all 12 captains immediately, nine of those captains are fire apparatus engineers. And what that would do, that would add to the forcing in the fire apparatus rank. So what we decided to do is strategically promote the total of 12 captains. So we're gonna do four captains on April 21st. And then over the next couple of months, we're gonna strategically promote the remaining captains. So we're not having such a big impact in the fire apparatus rank. Um, We do have two more academies, promotional academies set up. And the next one for fire captain is May 5th through June 15th. And that is, we have 15 captain candidates going into that academy. And then shortly after that, on June 19th to August 3rd, we have the next FAE Academy, and we have 20 candidates coming into that. So with the strategic uh, planning of the promotions of the captains and two more academies coming out, uh, I think we're going to make some impacts here coming up shortly to fill the uh, captains and the FAE ranks. I know we're not there yet. However, we are making some good strides moving forward to the plan that we have in place. And everyone's aware of the five-year plan, two uh, captain academies every year, two FAE academies every year, one battalion chief academy every year, and two recruit academies. So I can tell you uh, the three of us 
and, and many more in the organization are clearly watching the staffing situation and the forcing goes on on a daily basis. Next thing I want to do is move into something we did to assist reducing forcing about uh, last August. And one of the things we did, we did the SA and SAR approvals. We watched how many people we sent out of county um, because we knew we were in a staffing um, crisis. And one of the things that when I was discussing this with uh, the local was the concept of taking the 120 hours of continuous work is bumping it up to 240 hours of continuous hours. So we had that discussion. Um, we talked about that and we mutually agreed upon allowing our members to work 240 hours continuously. Um, we looked at that to aid some of the forcing situation going on. I put that memo out August 16th of last year and I put a date that we were going to reevaluate uh, re it on November of that year. So when November came, myself and the labor group, we looked at that collaboratively. We decided let's keep it in play. And every month on the first of the month, we would both collaboratively look at that and see if it's still valid, if it's still assisting with uh, to reduce the forces. And recently, probably in January or February, um, the decision was made when we evaluated that we looked collaboratively, once again, with management and labor to say, you know, I think we're at a time right now that we should reduce it back to 120 hours of continuous work. The, the hours, the 120 hours of continuous work is outlined in the SOP, our staffing SOP. So we chose at that moment collaboratively to let's go ahead and reduce it back to 120 hours. So that, uh, that is the process of where we reduced it from 240 back to 120. And that was kind of the background on that. Okay, the next thing I wanna talk about is lithium fires. Uh, we all know we've had an uptick in lithium fires recently, probably three or four significant fires. And what the both operations chiefs have done recently is they put an email out to the organization. There's a high level email uh, describing um, the uptick in lithium fires and that we're looking at it and what we're doing for decon processes, uh, turnout cleaning, the safety of our crews and our members and strategies and tactics. So that was kind of just the, the first glimpse of that we're looking at this, we're putting an email out, but moving forward with that in the days, months to come is you're gonna see an SOP of strategies and tactics on lithium fires, our decon process, our turnout cleaning, we're also going to be putting a first do guide out here shortly. Um, we all know that these lithium fires are very dangerous to us and we know that they're not going away. So there's definitely be a lot more to come with uh, our strategy, tactics and decon on lithium fires. So I just want to touch on those really quick. And then uh, what I'd like to do now is introduce our two new assistant chief of op field operations. Um, we'll have them give a quick bio and then what they're going to do is they're going to talk about the layout and the coverage of the programs that they're responsible for. And most, most recently they put out their expectation and intent, uh, memo. So with that, I'll give it to assistant chief of field operations North chief Sherwood. Thank you. Uh, very happy to be here. Very excited to uh, take on this new role and the new responsibilities. Um, as far as, uh, a little bit of bio, a little bit about me. Uh, I'm getting ready to start my 29th year here in the fire service. Uh, I did start as a fire explorer 
uh, here in Orange County. Um, however, I uh, worked many other places with the state and a few other agencies before I made it back here to Orange County. So been here almost 20 years now. I've uh, been involved in a lot of the different programs that we have uh, from investigations to PIO to air ops to hazmat to our USAR program. And uh, I'm excited to uh, take on this next ro uh, role and uh, the journey that it takes me on. So as far as, uh, you know, as far as the north and what I'm responsible for is Division One. Division seven, division four and division six. And then I also have a CICCS program as well as investigations and the hazardous uh, materials program. And with that, I'll turn it over to Chief Perkins. Okay. Well, when I promoted, I didn't think I would be doing podcasts. Um, <laughs> Other duties is assigned, Chief. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but it's extremely humble to be uh, sitting in this seat and... Um, you know, for me, it started as a, as a PCF in the early 90s uh, at 19s, you know, before transitioning as a full-time firefighter in Academy 21. And then, you know, over the years, just, you know, spent time uh, originally as a, as a firefighter medic, bounced around and eventually promoted engineer and uh, captain and went to Truck 9 for, for a while and really loved it there and spent some time uh, in Air Ops and in USAR and some of those other specialty programs and found myself here. So for the operations uh, south, it's uh, divisions two, three, and five. And then certainly uh, our air operations uh, program, um, a lot going on in that program with new aircraft coming. And uh, we just finished uh, a recruitment for a couple of new pilots that are starting. We've got a new chief pilot, uh, Cody Hammond, that has taken the helm with, uh, with air ops and uh, Chief Kyle Kuzma leading that charge. Uh, in our wildland uh, section, I think everybody knows that we've got the two hand crews uh, with the new superintendents, probably not so new anymore. They've been here for almost a year now. And, you know, we, we talked about, you know, when are we going to allow them to go back out of county and re-engage? And our, their first out of county assignment was up to uh, to Big Bear, uh, helping uh, folks shovel snow and, you know, focus on, on those rescue efforts. But a lot going on in the wildland section. Um, our dozers are extremely busy. We're looking to uh, enhance our dozer program. Our CIP currently has a type one dozer that's you know being looked at for uh, enhancing those guys and certainly our apprentice uh, program. Uh, we've got a few new apprentices that are starting you know their journey as, as new HFEO. So excited about that. Uh, Chief Ariano is heading up the wildland section. And you kind of transition it over to uh, USAR. And our, on the FEMA side of the house, uh, Chief Lowry just stepped in his first couple of days uh, as the new program manager was 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 dealing with our uh, deployments and our uh, OES Swiftwater deployment that the team went up to Tulare and spent two weeks up there and is doing a lot of good work. But Sean uh, was extremely busy, you know, stepping into his new role as as Chief Fetterman promoted out. And then uh, also we, we brought in, we had an, uh, an agreement with the Chief Officers Association of bringing in a technical rescue truck battalion chief. And that's, that's kind of the day-to-day -day side of our operations with uh, our heavy rescue and three medium trucks and felt like the, uh, the workload between the FEMA side of the house and the day-to-day -day side, uh, we needed that uh, extra battalion chief to uh, help move that program um, along so with that, we've got, a, we've got a new heavy rescue coming. We've got um, some new medium squads uh, that are coming for truck 56, 32, and 61. So that'll be pretty exciting as well. 
And so just looking forward to uh, getting things started and um, really Shane and I are, you know, focusing on, you know, what is this fire season going to bring? We've had a lot of rain and we're starting to really prepare uh, for what our wildland season is going to look like. You know, last year we started with the coastal fire in May. And if you guys remember, we were in a low and you know, we saw what that fire behavior uh, was back then. But you fast forward a year and um, what our grasses look like, what our vegetation looks like. It's still pretty green out there, but we know eventually it's going to it's going to dry out. So uh, focusing on our, our wildland, kind of our expectations memo uh, that will be coming out shortly. RT 130s already started. Our wildland tag has already started. Uh, going back to Chief McGovern's, you know, comments on what our what our staffing looks like will kind of um, help shape, you know, what we can send out for strike teams, our overhead, our folks that are on our uh, teams and getting them out the door so we can continue to bring back experience so that when we do get our coastal fires and things in town, we've got the folks here to uh, stand up our IMT and our type three team. So looking forward to having more of those conversations that we kind of plan for uh, this wildland season is, is kind of where we're, we're, we're stepping off with. I was actually at 65s the other day talking to that crew about the Type 6 and um, how we're going to kind of deploy the Type 6s this year. So there's, you know, I know there's some conversation uh, about that uh, with the five stations that have those OES rigs. So more to come on that. But uh, for now, that's... Uh, that's all I have. You want to add? I something? didn't know you were going to go that deep on your in your different sections, but now I guess maybe I got to go back. Um, but I think one thing are you to go, are you going to talk about when you were in air ops? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think one thing that's really important to talk about is make sure uh, Division Eleven is not missed. Uh, Division Eleven does report directly to uh, Chief McGovern, um, so it doesn't fall under necessarily uh, Tim and I's shop, but uh, he does report directly to uh, to Chief McGovern. Um, I think one. Uh, go back for me i think most importantly for tim and i is we want uh, a consistent message and we want to make sure that we are consistent whether you're in the north or south and that operations remain consistent and we uh we are communicating uh as much as possible to make sure that no nothing is being missed uh, i think those are our, our big priorities uh for him and i being that you know it used to be a single operations chief now they're being two uh it's more more important than ever that we are consistent and that the message is is uh, unified. No, that's a good point. And I think you'll see that our memos are going to have both of us on there. Uh, we talk, um, you know, constantly and making sure, um, you know, nothing's nothing's getting missed. But, you know, you'll see memos coming uh, from both of us to the organization. And that's just, you know, one message to the, to the entire agency, whether it's north or south, that we're not having two separate fire departments. I think that was kind of a that was kind of brought up in the very beginning is, you know, we're we going to have two separate fire departments and, and that kind of stuff. So our, our intent um, as we start off this year is um, no, we're still one agency, one fire department. And uh, whether it's North or South, we're, we're going to be operating uh, the exact same. And uh, we, we have defined our roles and responsibilities between the two of us. Um, we do have that. We can send that out to the, through the division chiefs and we'll get that disseminated to everybody. Um, so that it is clear as far as, you know, what is, what is Tim responsible for besides what we just mentioned here on the podcast and what am I responsible for, um, outside of those things, uh, mentioned here. I think one thing too, we haven't talked about is to come as a, a division chief for strategic services in the works. Um, July 1st, 
uh, is the plan for for that position to come. Uh, I think it's a position that we we definitely need. It's something that I think we've missed over the last few years uh, with their focus. Um, you know, being that looking strategically looking forward, where do we need to deploy additional resources um, as Rancho Mission Viejo grows? Where where's the best location for fire stations or, you know, even in Irvine, where, where would be a good spot for, um, you know, basically getting down to are we doing business the best we can and what do we need to address is really. So that position is coming. Uh, also to mention uh, in, in May here, we're expecting our leadership rollout uh, of the four doctrine. Uh, to go out to the entire organization and and to uh, get that message out there and and to, to move um, those leadership uh, doctrine uh, throughout the organization. Okay, that was a great overview. Thank you, Chiefs. I appreciate that. So since all three of us are new in our you know current positions, um, seems like we've been pretty busy lately. We've had multiple second and third alarm fires going on. I know you guys have been responding. I've been responding to a couple of them. So. Uh, you guys have anything on those uh, multi-alarm fires that uh, we've been experiencing over the last couple months? Well, it seems that the north goes to the south and the south goes to the north every time. So I'm not sure what that means. But um, yeah, we've had quite a few uh, third alarm fires, um, Stanton, Laguna Hills, and then Santa Ana. And then obviously we had the fire just recently here in Garden Grove with the Mansard. Um, I'll speak to the, the, the Laguna Hills fire with the lithium batteries. Chief McGovern, you, always touch, you already touched on that. Um, you know, that was a... Uh, a fire that was um, heavily packed with with a lot of uh, e-bikes and uh, created definitely uh, a challenge for for all the firefighters to you know get in and be an aggressive do an aggressive attack and put that thing out and that's something that kept burning for about a week after the fact. Um, so you already mentioned the SOP and uh, talking about these aren't going away. Lithium fires are here to stay, but we need to we need to make sure that we're doing everything we can to best protect all of our firefighters and then how, what are the best practices to, to suppress these fires? So I think there's more to come on that. I think the plan of the uh, SOP talking about decon and then also uh, the first do guide is the, is the, is the right way to go. Um, a little bit on the, the decon of turnouts, cause you mentioned that, um, you know, we sent out almost 200 uh, sets of turnouts back to Colorado um, with a, with a pretty hefty price tag. Um, if that's a practice we're going to go, we would definitely want to look at, you know, is there a, a better way to do that or a, a way to turn those around faster, uh, for our folks. Um, so I think there's more to come on in that front as well from deconning the PPE. Um, and then also talking about the Santa Ana fire that had, um, metal etching with a lot of hazardous materials, uh, on site. Um, we were able to bring out Huntington Beach's uh, decon unit, which worked really, really well, providing that technical decon. Uh, all the Huntington Beach uh, folks that, that responded on that unit of the day were, were extreme professionals and were uh, instrumental in making sure that that process uh, was a success and that all of our folks received the, the technical decon that they needed before they left that incident. Um, and again, with these two incidents, they also resulted in, in blood draws for all of our personnel. Um, so we'll continue to work through that process and try to streamline that and make sure that we're communicating, um, you know, everything we can when, when an incident, uh, rises to that level. Cause I think that's, uh, I know for myself, I've learned a couple things on the two different blood draws and what information we need to make sure that we communicate, uh, to our folks. And then one of the biggest thing is what is the window and time, uh, you need to get tested. Um, so we'll continue to work through that with risk management. Uh, appreciate Gary Grammer and Rhonda Haynes for, 
for all their support and really expediting that process and making sure that our folks uh, got what they needed and were able to get tested and, and are, uh, as quickly as possible. In fact, even, you know, uh, people showing up at fire stations to test. So uh, more to come on that and how we do that better. And um, uh, really appreciate, like I said, risk management assistance. And, and there's many other people that obviously that need to be thanked for that. But um, I think you'll see that with that happen consistently as these fires, uh, as we encounter these fires. Great. Keep working. Add multiple alarms. Um, yeah, you know, for me, uh, over the last couple of weeks have been uh, busy. There have been uh, some fires um, out on the West End that uh, I was able to uh, go to. And um, one of them was the, the Valley View fire um, up in Garden Grove. Um, a, lot of, a lot of good work uh, done on that fire. Um, a lot of aggressive uh, firefighting. Um, I know when units showed up, they had a lot of fire, you know, showing already. So we were already behind the curve. Um, truck 85 was first on scene. And so, you know, when we show up first on a, on a truck company, it's always that balance. Are you trying to, you know, play engine company? Or are we going to try to, um, get things started and then maybe kind of transition into, you know, some truck operations. So that's always a challenge. Uh, but pretty good size up, uh, got things going, um, you know, by the time I, you know, got up there, uh, most of the, the fire was out, but, you know, in or out listening to the whole thing, um, on, you know, some of the coordination with, uh, the Mansard, um, that strip mall, that Mansard was a, a really large, uh, Mansard. And like I said, had a lot of fire in it. Uh, historically we've, you know, we've lost some fires because of Mansards. Uh, sometimes they're, they're hard to contain and, and control. Um, but, uh, there was a couple of things that I think the, the after action will, will probably capture with, um, you know, just a reminder that, you know, that the water supply, you know, anytime we show up to these large commercial strip mall, in this case, uh, type fires that, you know, water supply is, is a priority. And I know most second engine companies uh, are thinking that, you know, they're going to get the water supply. And I know there was, um, a few challenges with, with that, listening to, um, a little bit of the, the tailboard after action. Um, and then, you know, we had, uh, you know, four trucks topside. So there's some challenges of, of, you know, getting the trucks organized. What are we, what are the objectives and how do we communicate that back to the IC, um, roof running, you know, the trucks and make sure everything's coordinated. And at the end of the day, um, when you, when I think the safe report does come out, um, you kind of see, I think we, a lot of us already saw the video. So we all, we already saw how much, um, fire, you know, was showing and we saw the Mansard collapse and we did put out a blue sheet and a green sheet. Um, and on that, just, it, it's just a reminder when we do send out blue sheets, um, it's just an awareness, um, that something occurred. And if we can bring awareness to a certain situation, uh, to somebody else on another particular fire and maybe prevent uh, an incident or an accident from happening, then, you know, we've, we've, we've kind of done our job. The after action will have some, some other specifics on recommendations, et cetera. But, you know, I know Santa Ana had uh, kind of a, a Mansard uh, type of collapse maybe a month ago. Uh, certainly again with, uh, with the video we saw on this one. Um, so in, in all, I mean, there was a lot of good work uh, that was done on it. Um, but always a good reminder uh, to just stick to the basics. We need to have a good water supply. We need to have really good command and control. Uh, four trucks topside, you don't see too often. Um, so a really strong 
roof division that's coordinating the, the truck and those efforts. And at the end of the day, they, they stopped uh, a pretty aggressive uh, fire that was already, you know, well ahead of uh, our units getting there. Um, I did participate actually in a kind of an after action, kind of put together just like this impromptu uh, conference call with the fire they had in Buena Park uh, a few nights ago. Uh, it was a two alarm fire, came in at, you know, one in the morning or so. And um, they too had a lot of fire, um, you know, when, when 62s and uh, 61s kind of showed up. And so just kind of listening to the after action um, on how they, you know, sized the fire up, how they laid it out and um you know how aggressive they were with not only the uh i think it was a three or four plex of the main um building fire but they started having a uh, uh another separate another uh, unit in the back on the charlie side kind of taken off too so uh wires down everywhere just lots of challenges and, and so when you listen to the after action on just how well you know everybody you know worked through it kept everyone saved with with identifying the hazards and uh, so it was good after action, kind of an impromptu uh, type thing, but I got to participate in that. So, um, you know, great job on that. So we have, we have been busy, um, you know, with that, we've had a lot of discussion, a little bit on the AARs and our process. Um, and so we've been talking a little bit about, you know, how do we, how do we, you know, change the AARs to where they, you know, can, um, if I'm sitting down at the station and I'm going through an after action of a particular fire and I'm, and I'm, and I want to hear some of the audio, maybe it's the size up that was important. Maybe it was the divisional assignments. Maybe it was the, uh, you know, the, 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 the current conditions or actions that were coming back, back to the IC, whatever, whatever the learning points are is maybe being able to hear some of those snippets with the audio, um, trying to put some video in there too, to kind of be able to hear it, see it. And then read a little bit about what, you know, what the lessons, um, you know, were learned. And I would encourage, you know, you know, everyone that when you hear a fire go out and, um, and I think a lot of crews still do this where they, they pull up for November or five November and they listen to the fire and, um, you know, they pull, pull up, you know, Google earth and they're looking at the building and they're, you know, they're kind of listening and, and, um, you know, going through that fire as if they were kind of there too. So uh, definitely encourage that. So a little bit uh, on the ARs, um, revamping that a little bit of just kind of tweaking to what we're currently doing to make it uh, a little bit better. So uh, some more to come on that. So we're see where that takes us. Yeah, I, I think that'll be good. You know, getting those ARs, you know, the, the safe reports, the PIAs, is that consistent piece of every one of these fires that we need to do this on. They're consistent and great learning points just to make us all better moving forward. So, well, I appreciate your guys' time. Um, before we kind of close out, is there anything else you want to add? You guys good? One thing I would say is congratulations to all those recently promoted, the 22 engineers, and then the, the four newest captains. And, uh, you know, it's probably the first time we've had a list of uh, captains in a while. And so we know that the, the future is bright for those folks that are on that list. And uh, congratulations to all of them. And we had a good uh, promotional ceremony uh, last Thursday, so the for the organization, the first Thursday of every month, we do a promotional ceremony for all the recent promotees. So we bring family and the kids, and we give them their badges and helmets. So it was, it was a good time by uh, all. This was the second one we had. Um, so every month, first Thursday at 4 o'clock in the boardroom, everyone's invited. So looking forward to that. So in closing, as far as our future podcasts, we do have a lot of new members in their new positions. We have new DCs, BCs, and program managers. 
So you can expect many new guests on these podcasts in the coming up months. Also, if there's any discussion items that you'd like to hear about, please send any of the three of us an email and we'll do our best to uh, discuss some of your comments, concerns, and thoughts out there in the field. I want to thank the two of you for participating today, and I want to thank the organization for listening to these podcasts. And we will talk to everyone next month. Thank you, and have a good shift.